We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Once again, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Pack Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything green and gold. My name is Mike Welland, alongside me, Tyler Grezegorik, talking about the Bears and the Packers. It is the final regular season game at Lambeau Field for the 2019 season, and it is a chance for the Packers to continue to control their own destiny. And with a bit of help and a win, they can clinch a playoff spot as well. But as you get ready for that, Tyler, how great is it to be talking about playoff potential in December again? Uh, it just feels right. <laughs> um, it's something that we've missed the last couple of years, obviously, and um, it just feels right. And I'm so glad to be back in this position. Absolutely, ten and three for the Packers, but they do have a tough opponent coming up with the Bears, who are on a roll right now. They are get climbing their own way back into the race, and they, they're trying to save their season with this game. And looks like they're getting some key pieces back. It sounds like Akeem Hicks is going to be good to play. But they do have a couple guys out, so it's going to be an interesting balance between how the Bears come in health-wise compared to what has easily been the healthiest Green Bay team that I have seen in a long, long time. Man, Mike, you better be knocking on all that wood over there because, my goodness, it's... (laughs) Um, Yes, I was actually thinking the same exact thing this morning, um, how fortunate this team is to be this healthy at this point in the season. 
Um, and you look you look across the league at some of the other teams, and a lot of other teams are missing um, a key player here and there, and uh, ultimately that just kind of sneaks up on you and catches up to you. So um, the fact that there's only two players questionable on the Packers official injury report for tomorrow, or for today, I'm sorry, we're recording on Saturday. Um, there's only two players questionable. That is outstanding. It's outstanding, and I don't know what the reason is. It's too early to say that Lafleur finally had, or that Lafleur has a handle on this team, and they're finally responding in a healthy way. Um, or if it's just, you know, if it's just luck, and sometimes that's all it is. And so um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how Lafleur manages the loads in future seasons. Yes, seasons. He's going to be here for a while. I promise you that. Um, because he seems to really value that in the way that he prepares from week to week. Well, definitely. And before we get to further injuries, don't forget as well to subscribe to the Pack and A podcast, wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're there at all of them. Also on Twitter at Pack and A podcast as well. But looking at the actual injury report, we talked about the Packers. They have two. Jimmy Graham is questionable with a wrist and groin injury, but I, everything I've heard says he's going to be good to go. And if they can use him like they did last week, I think that could help a long way because he seemed to be pretty solid on the on those crossers, those play action plays, and he's gotten better as a blocker this year. So I, I've been I've been content with what Graham has provided. But then Kevin King with a shoulder, if they can get him back to help match up against someone, maybe an Allen Robinson, maybe some of, some of the other receivers they got, or Cordero Patterson, that could go that could really really be helpful for this Packers defense to try and help limit Mitchell Trubisky. Definitely, because they're going to need somebody to match up with Allen Robinson. I don't think Jair Alexander is that guy, unfortunately. Uh, there's just a, that's one thing with Jair is you love him. Uh, he, you hope that he can still kind of put it together in his, in his sophomore year, but, um, he, he does have that size deficiency, and so sometimes these bigger receivers are going to be able to take advantage of him. Um, but Kevin King should help just with some of the mismatches that Matt Nagy might try to set up. Uh, no Taylor Gabriel for the Bears will also be very helpful. Absolutely, and then, like you said, looking at the Bears, they do have four guys already ruled out. Taylor Gabriel out with a concussion, Ben Broniker out with a concussion, so the, the already shorthanded Bears tight end group gets even shorter. Uh, Bobby Massey, offensive lineman, out with an ankle. Danny Trevathan out with his elbow injury. Questionable is Roy Robertson-Harris and Javon Wims. Here, Robertson Harris with a foot injury, Wims with a knee injury. And there's some big ones on that one. Matt Massey's a uh, good one to think about because I think he's a rotational guy, but that's some depth that's out. Gabriel, that's big with a slot, a slot receiver being out. That's gonna, that could, that could help the Packers maybe play a little more base to slow down David Montgomery. But, uh, Church Trevathan already to throw Con Smith out. Those two linebackers out means Kwiatkowski's gonna get a lot more playing time. He, and, he, Nick Kwiatkowski is a solid player, but he is not Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan, and that's huge for them. And then the the underrated one for me is if he can't go, is going to be Robertson Harris. Over the last couple of years, he has had some really big games against Green Bay, including, he has. The, yeah. including the infamous play last year where Aaron got hurt. So he if he can't go, that's a huge blow to their pass rush. I completely agree. And, you know, looking at the injury report for the Bears, it's – uh, Bobby Massey, I think, is their starting right tackle. I don't know who else it would be, um, but I think Alex Barr should be getting the call uh, at right tackle. I haven't seen any confirmation of that, but that would be my guess. And um, 
if you're sitting here like me, uh, I know the name Alex Bars because I've I followed the draft and I believe he was in the draft uh, last year and he came out of Notre Dame and he was highly touted as a very talented player, but he was never able to put it together. Well, he's still not starting at the NFL level. He's still backing up. So we'll, we'll see how uh, Mike Patton looks to tackle that right tackle spot. And then Roy, Roy Robertson-Harris, well, it's a lot of ours, um, he has been an underrated aspect of this Bears defense. Um, so we'll see uh, how he deals with that foot injury if he's able to come out uh, and play on Sunday. Uh, Danny Trevathan, I don't care that this guy's playing. I, I was, I'm glad he's not playing, actually. Um, after what he did to Devontae Adams that, that one year, he's definitely on my, my blacklist, as you might call it. So um, i glad that he's not going to be out there. Uh, Taylor Gabriel and Ben Bronacker. Ben Bronacker is a backup tight end, but Taylor Gabriel is a an element of this offense that Matt Nagy likes to use to spread everybody out. He likes to use his speed to to really just kind of test the the edges of this defense of defenses, excuse me. And you know, so that that's going to cause Nagy to have to call some different things and some different plays because I don't think they really have somebody that can straight up replace. Um, Gabriel. And so there's going to be some different adjustments that the, both sides of the ball are going to have to make for the Chicago Bears. Um, and we'll see how they handle that. Um, we'll see how Trubisky handles playing under the big lights of Green Bay. <laughs> um, you know, he, I, I feel like Patton's just going to bring a ton of pressure again. Um, and the secondary is going to match up well with who's out there. If, if Kevin King in, indeed is healthy, which he has been for most of the year, I think he's missed one game. And so, you know, good for him on that front as well. But uh, I'm just looking forward to how the Bears do come out because I think they're going to have to make some adjustments uh, across the board. Actually, and I'm looking at the Bears' depth chart right now, and uh, Bronicker's listed as their starting tight end at, because Shaheen and Burton already on IR. With him out, that leaves it up to such luminaries as J.P. Holtz, Bradley Soul, Jesper Horstead, and a guy actually I know personally, Eric Saubert, who I, I interviewed and he played at Drake's. So I know him pretty well. If he gets a chance, he could be pretty athletic. But that tight end spot is a big weakness for the Bears, which is really good for Mike Pettin because they, it's well documented the Packers struggles with tight ends this year. Uh, behind Gabriel is Cordero Patterson, listed as their second string. You were spot on with Bobby Massey. He was their starting right tackle. Alex Bars will start in his place. Ray Robertson-Harris is back up listed as Brent Urban, but they should be getting Akeem Hicks back, so Hicks will probably just slide into there. And Kwiatkowski will start opposite, uh, uh, replacing Danny Trevathan for that linebacking core as well. So it's a lot of new names for the Bears coming in. And we talked about, you talked about dialing up pressure on Mitchell Trubisky. That seems to be the best way to get to, get to him. Don't let him get comfortable. Don't let him start running and start to be able to process quickly. Get him off his spot quickly, and the Packers have three or four guys who can be very good at that in the two Smiths, Gary, Fackrell, and even guys like Kenny Clark as well. Even Martinez, a good blitzer as well. So Petten has the pieces to really make Trubisky's life miserable. Well, I mean, people are going to quote the last few games where he's been on fire, but he's been playing subpar defenses, and that's just the honest truth. So uh, we'll see if the Bears still want to give Trubisky um, – his, his fifth year option coming at, when he finishes the season, basically. We'll see how he finishes the last three games for the Bears and how the Bears are now feeling about giving him that fifth year option. Um, because since that was reported this week that they were looking to do that. Um, it, you know, I, I think that any, any game between the Packers and the Bears is going to be close. 
um, for various reasons. I did feel like there was, in coming into this game this week, I felt like there was a certain stigma, um, maybe from national media. I'm not sure where I was getting the vibe exactly, but I was getting this, this feeling that, you know, people thought that the Packers were just going to kind of walk into Green Bay and, you know, send the Bears home packing. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Um, we're, we're in this stretch of games right now for the Packers with the Bears, Vikings, and Lions, the final two on the road, where the Packers have to win two out of three of these games. And they're divisional opponents who you've already played once this year. Um, they're not going to be easy, any three of these games. And um, they're certainly going to earn their division title over these next couple of days, uh, over these next couple of weeks. And um, I look forward for that. Look forward to that starting tomorrow. I just, I, I am a little nervous that the maybe not Lafleur anymore. He did come out and say, "Oh, this team is gonna we're we're gonna be ready. We're we're not underestimating the Bears." But at the same time, that doesn't. I, I want to see how that resonates with the players and uh, if the players actually respond to that and how they come out and how they respond because there's been a couple times this season where players have come out and just been slow clunky, um, and it's obvious that they were just not ready for the game. And so we'll see if LaFleur indeed does have these guys ready to play and take on arguably their most prestigious opponent and their toughest opponent of all time. So um, in the 200th matchup, I would expect nothing more than there to be a little bit of fire, but I'm hoping that the fire is actually there for both teams. No, I agree. And I think a big thing is going to help. It's going to go a long way in this game as well. It's going to be... How does Matt Nagy call a game for the Bears? Does he ignore the running game like he has at shown at times, or does he actually let Montgomery and Cohen handle the football? Because if he puts it all on Trubisky, I think the Packers win fairly comfortably because you don't want Trubisky, especially in this sub-20-degree weather where it's going to be cold and windy and the ball's going to be like a rock. You don't want to be have him throwing 40 times. And so if if, if they don't, let Montgomery, who seems to be built for this sort of a weather game, if Matt Nagy doesn't adjust and let his running game go, I think it could be a, a much easier game for the Packers defense, easier game for putting the game plan, and I think it makes it just a little bit simpler at Lambeau Field for the Packers. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I mean, they're in their element. Uh, sadly, it's also the Bears' element. Um, you know, I, I really feel like this the mantra for this game needs to be what it kind of has been all year. Um, or what it should have been all year and the all gas and no break. It, it that needs to be how this game is because I, I really think that the Packers need in order to kind of set themselves up to make a good playoff run and to kind of set themselves up to get amped up for this Vikings game. Um, here cu- coming up, they really need to go out against the Bears and just give it all gas and no break. They need to take it to them. Um, they need to win this game easily. They need to, you know, really be the better team on the football field on Sunday. And if they can do that, I'm feeling much better about their prospects moving forward into possible division title aspirations and um, bi-week aspirations in the playoffs and then going into the conference championship possibly. All these different things that the Packers need to think about, they need to start clicking right now. This is the time that you need to put it all together and really, really take that step forward to start being a competitive team. Um, you know, you don't need to have 15 wins, 14 wins, 13 wins to win a Super Bowl. You need to be clicking at the right time. You need everybody to be on the same page. And, 
You just need to take it week to week and beat each opponent. And that kind of semi, that kind of goes about, kind of goes against, excuse me, couldn't think of the words, it's early in the morning. Kind of goes against what I was just trying to say, but at the same time, they need to take every single opponent with a grain of salt, and they need to go out and treat every opponent like they're 16-0. Because I don't want I don't want another Chargers game to kind of sneak up on them here at, at any point. And when the next thing you know, they're in the playoffs and the conference championship getting embarrassed like they did in Atlanta. So um, they just need to go out there, and they, this needs to be a good win. A good, good, good win. I thought last week was a fine win. I think there was a lot of others who thought it was ugly. I didn't think it was that ugly. Uh, a win, uh, a win in the NFL is a win. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and complain about it. Sure, there are things that they, they could have done better, but there always are. They need a good win against the Bears just for the purpose of the team itself and its standings, and just the the attitude of this team. They need they need something to get their confidence sky high so that they can take on these other opponents with sky high confidence. Well, absolutely. I I love the all gas no break thing. Not just because of what it signifies, but also because it shows that Wisconsin's better than Minnesota. Because Minnesota rolls a boat, we have a motor on ours, so we can use gas. <laughs> but moving it over toward the Packers side and looking at the Packers' offense, it it has been clunky. It's been disjointed. But like you said, they have been getting the job done enough to get the wins, get the get the numbers in the win column that matters. But when you're facing defenses like the Bears and Minnesota coming up. You have to be more consistent with it. They got to be smoother. They got to be better communicate, better uh, with communication, and really just they got to find a way to balance their with their playmakers. It seems like it's never been one or the uh, never been together with Jones and Adams. It's one or the other. It seems like every week is going to be the big guy, but they need both those guys to get going against a team like the Bears or the Vikings. It, it is the first year of Lafleur's offense, and so there's expected hiccups. Maybe not as many as we're seeing now. Maybe maybe there's not as many as expected as we're seeing now. But at the same time, like you just stated, the job is getting done. And for whatever reason that is, they're finding ways to win football games. That's not something we could have said last year or the year before. So as long as they continue to win, as long as they continue to find ways to win football games, I'm not going to complain. And I think Rogers said the same thing. He said, I'll take ugly wins all the way to the Super Bowl because ultimately all that matters is what is what that win column says on the on the stat sheet at the end of the day. And uh I understand that there might be there might be reservations uh, to that idea that you just want to blow people out of the water and um I just think that that comes from the storied history. The last twenty years of this Packers franchise of uh, just being a rather dominant team in the NFL. They're either second or third right now in win percentage over the last 20 years. Um, I know Steelers are up there, Patriots as well. But the point is, is the wins are wins, and it doesn't matter how you get them. They're tough to get in the NFL. You see it from week to week when you get a, a 2-10 and 10 team beat a 8-4. and four. Like, You know, it, it just it's tough to get wins from week to week. So um, however they keep pulling them out, I'm going to be happy and cheering for them. Well, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And, and and I guess another thing to talk about on the offense is the offensive line depth has been solid, but activating Jared Valdir this week, that could definitely help. He's a guy with veteran experience. Hopefully he doesn't get on the field, but if he has to, I think the Packers feel a lot more comfortable with him out there having played both tackle spots over a guy like Alex Light, who, while talented, is still a developmental guy. 
But I, I but I look at moves that Brian Gutekunst has made. This is one of the shrewdest I think he has made. Getting him off of waivers, a guy who has been a longtime starter in this league, and I think that's a very good piece to have coming up. And, and it, it shows the ingenuity of someone like Gutekunst to take to use all those other avenues to find good players. What's the risk? I mean, really, uh, what's the risk to a move like that? There isn't any, and it's the type of move that we've been calling for for years before Gutekunst's arrival. And it's the type of move that you look back on a potential championship, conference championship run, and you're like, that move was good. And like you like you said, hopefully he doesn't have to play because that means Bakhtiari or Bulaga are hurt or one of the other offensive linemen on the inside, depending on however they configure the line. But I think either way, he's a good, he's a good addition to your offensive line room, to your offense, to your team. You can never, it can never hurt to have veterans when you get into the playoffs. You need guys who are going to set other guys straight. I don't know what Veldir's attitude is like. I, I just don't know. I haven't seen enough of him in that respect. But it just doesn't hurt to have veterans. Speaking of veterans, do you think that the Packers look to add another veteran? Maybe an I, a Terrell Suggs? You know, a guy who's sitting out there uh, adding another veteran to your defense. He has Baltimore ties with Darius Smith and... Um, 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 yes, thank you. And he might be a good addition to this defense just to give them some more depth. You know, just so that way you're not t- you're not tossing Rayshon Gary out there in the conference championship when the game, when the lights are super bright and he has to go up against Mike McGlinchey or uh, whoever the left tackle is for the 49ers. I think it's Brown right now. Um, you know... Going against those guys, it never hurts to have too much depth. And I, I think that they need to add another veteran on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I would prefer it to be a linebacker, but there simply aren't any. Um, so I, I leave that to you. What are your thoughts on Terrell Suggs being added to this team? Uh, I mean, I like T-Sizzle. I think he's a, a sure sure lock for the Hall of Fame. He's been such a good pass rusher for so many years. I don't think they're going to put a claim on him. I think I think they're liking what they're seeing from Fackrell and Gary as the rotational guys. Those guys have been really stepping it up in recent games, even as they've gotten a couple more snaps. Especially Fackrell, I thought he's played very, very well the past month or so. And plus, getting Kenny Clark's been emerging as a pass rusher as well. I'd rather see them give more snaps to Kingsley Kiki than bring in a guy like like Suggs. Um, I the big thing with with Suggs I, that hurt that's getting more, makes me nervous is his salary hit. The Packers are, I know they're going to try and roll over some cap to sign some guys, whether it's Kenny Clark or Blake Martinez or Brian Bulaga or guys like Lazard and Kumaro, who they got, they got to start thinking about contracts for those guys. And bringing a guy like Suggs in would take, take away a big chunk of that cap that they could roll over in the next year for a guy who's only going to be a rotational guy. And well, listening to uh, Nagler's daily chats, he makes a good point. It's more likely that Suggs ends up back in Baltimore, where he's has experience with that defensive staff. He's comfortable with the city. He's been around that area. And, but I, I think if they want to take the chance, they could. But I think it, I think it would make more sense to pass on him with the with the big salary and continue to the, to give guys like Fakro and Gary the reps these last few weeks. And the more reps they get now, I think it would go better for them in the playoffs because. We saw a couple plays against Washington where they had both Smiths and Gary out there, and they made Washington's offensive line look look like high schoolers. And it started with Gary getting Morgan Moses backpedaling about five yards right off the snap. So I think getting those guys 
those guys all together on the field is is gonna, is better than bringing in a guy like Suggs who will go who will very very good and a legend is gonna have to learn the defense very quickly very soon to get ready for a playoff run in three weeks. That's fair. Um, you know, I, I think actually just to that point, I think he actually has patentized as well um, at some point in his career. I, I'd have to double check that before you know I give out that information with confidence, but uh, I thought I did read that somewhere and. I I think I tend to agree. I think Baltimore's a better landing spot for him, but I would not be opposed to seeing him in green and gold. And I think that's kind of ultimately the point that I was getting at is it might be worth just adding another piece to that defense because you never know when the injury bug is going to bite you. You just never know. And you know we've seen it with the secondary before. I think the secondary right now is the deepest it's been in years. And they're not even playing their second-round pick, Josh Jackson, that much. Like, they're not even playing him from two years ago or one one year ago, I should say, he he's just the 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 defense is is deeper at a lot of areas, but that that defensive end edge area is not one of them in my opinion. And I would love to see another piece added there just for the stretch run, just as just as insurance. And I understand the whole idea about the rollover cap. I don't think you would take up that much. I mean, maybe three or four mil, maybe, um, which is I guess about probably half of it, but. I I just think that they should have added another piece there a while ago. Um, I don't know how I feel about depending on fact roll. Uh, Gary has been underrated all year, I think. He definitely, he's exactly what we thought he was. He's a developmental project with all the tools, um, and we've seen that this year. But he never gets a lot of the credit because he never gets the sack. Uh, sadly, he's usually playing across from Preston or Zedarius, and so they usually get there first. Um but I, I just think that they do need to do need to add another veteran piece there. Um, I do love Kingsley Key. You know I do. I, he just hasn't played a ton, and maybe he does need to play more. But I don't know if this is the right time to try and push that that idea. Um, I don't know. Um, Fackrell, I don't. I don't know how I can believe that he's actually becoming a good pass rusher. I, I just feel like he's getting schemed open for sacks. And maybe that's not fair to him. But at the same time, you know, Patton has shown numerous times that he can do that. And so uh, I think that they really need another guy who can just win his one-on-one battle. Um, and, and Suggs wasn't the best in Arizona. But if you're, if you're bringing him in to be your fifth, we'll say fifth, edge or defensive end like I think that that's more than more than acceptable and so uh I guess we can move on from that but the I do think that they need to address that position at some point probably in the offseason it's probably not going to happen anymore there's definitely a thought to have and and another guy who be like cap would be fact where they could bring him back as as a for a, a decent mid-level deal as like a rotational guy but lastly I guess for us we should be to talk about is going to be the special teams battle uh, this is always going to be a big thing with Packers Bears. Is it's well known the Bears fun with their with their kicking position ever since they let Robbie Gold go, even going back to letting Paul Edinger go. But the Bears are a mess at kicker, and they have been for years, and it's always very entertaining to watch. I can watch that GIF of Staley the Bear falling face first from the playoffs last year over and over again because it's always going to be funny. The Packers don't have that; they are. We are very, very lucky to have Mason Crosby with how reliable he is, how consistent he is, and what he brings on and off the field as well. On the on the punting side, J.K. Scott and Pat O'Donnell, both very good punters. They 
Oh, Scott's really bounced back after a couple subpar weeks. He looks to be punting very, very well. The Bears, though, do have one big edge, and that is Cordero Patterson. He is now good to go. He's set to play. And that's a, definitely a big weapon for the Bears' special teams and offense. And they got to find a way to avoid getting him the ball in space. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about Taylor Gabriel earlier. Cordero Patterson could be that guy for the Bears, um, just that guy to kind of stretch out the defense a little bit. Um, he's been – he's one of those guys that comes into Packer games and just seems to have an extra edge ever since he was back in Minnesota. Um, he So, yes, I'm worried about Patterson. I'm hoping that uh, they can find a way to contain him on the kickoffs because uh, I don't – I think it's too early to judge the job that Menenga has done with a special teams unit. The return yards is very disappointing. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I haven't dove super deep into how the actual performance of the special teams unit has related in terms of um, coverage. Um, I haven't I haven't dove into that yet to see kind of how he's done. But you know maybe he can take a, a play out of the Bears book and we can draw something up on special teams to get a big play because they might need it to get a spark going in this game. Um, with it being cold and at Lambeau and just a divisional matchup against the Bears, it could be kind of a gross first half. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully the, they come out with all gas and no breaks. The Packers do. But uh, Cordero Patterson's a guy that they're going to have to contain on special teams. And and then on the other side of the ball with Tyler Irvin, who appears to have a handle on the punt return job, um, he's going to have to make a couple plays himself, I think. Uh, like special teams, I think, are very underrated in this matchup uh, just because I think it could be a close game. And... Um, the I think the team that has better special teams play is probably going to win. And Crosby's been very solid lately. J.K. Scott has been up and down, but he still has a monster leg. And so um, we'll see. You know, I give the edge to the Packers and two out of – I would probably call it a push because uh, they have the edge and kicker. I think they're tied in punter, and then I think the Bears have the edge in returns. So, um, you know, whoever wins that special teams battle is probably going to win this game. I definitely think special teams is very similar to the turnover battle. And I think that's one thing where, yes, the return yardage is always going to be the talking point. And, yes, it's been dismal. And, and it, was, it was laughable until Irvin came in and, and had a big game last week. But I do think their coverage units have been pretty good. Josh Jackson's done a good job as a gunner. Uh, that's something that people don't talk about enough is he's done a pretty good job on special teams, especially with Tony Brown missing a lot of time over the course of the year. And with Shannon Sullivan on the other side, I think their coverage units have been solid. They haven't really given up a ton of big returns that I can think of off the top of my head. They've been pretty consistent with that. And, and that part of that's also Scott getting enough hang time to force fair catches. But I think I think Meninga's, like you said, it's too early to judge his special teams units. I'm just happy that it's not Ron Zook or Sean Slocum right now. And I think Meninga's going to get better as the as the years go on as and as they get the guys that they want on the special teams units. But either way, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's pretty much a wash. But on paper, the Packers probably would have the edge. But as it is with Packers Bears, especially the 200th meeting, anything can happen from Lambeau Field on this on a cold Sunday afternoon. Again, noon central will be a kickoff. Packers, again, setting up the scenario. If they win and if Dallas wins and I end up throwing up, if they beat the Rams, the Packers will be in the playoffs. So there's a chance to lock up a playoff spot with a win and some help. And I don't think the players care about that right now, but you know it's going to be on some minds. So that's 
Let's see what the Packers can do. Well, and I don't think they should care, but I definitely care. So I will be watching very closely both games, um, and I sadly will become a Cowboys fan this weekend. So uh, let's go Dallas. And then... Um, you just for the tie? <laughs> that too. Yeah, that works, actually. That's, good. That's a good compromise. Um, but honestly, just take care of business. Just don't worry about... On, I hope that they don't over-concern themselves with what's going on around the league, and they just take care of their own business. Because if they win this week and win next week, it doesn't matter. Um, so just take care of business. Uh, win these next three games against the Bears, Vikings, and Lions. Uh, finish the season 13-3, and which people will still find a way to complain about. And then um, go into the NFL playoffs, hopefully on a high note, and uh, welcome somebody into Lambeau in the divisional round. That is the that is the goal here. And um, I trust, I'm trusting LaFleur to get this team on the right path and set them up with the right vision. I agree 100%. In LaFleur, we trust. So that will wrap things up for this edition of the Packet A Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland for the latest football, baseball, and movie takes, as well as on Dairyland Express, as I'm working on selling the Packers' all-time draft team. Tyler, where can people find you? Um, as always, on Twitter, at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, you can also find me on DynastyNerds.com. Uh, I'm writing two columns over there. Uh, a weekly flex start, which obviously has one week left, because if you're going into your fantasy football championships, congratulations. Um, our listener league is tying up, or, yeah, tying up soon, and we have... Uh, one, we have a listener and that's going to be probably in the championship. So, um, that should be cool. Look out for that in, at a future date, uh, as they will be able to come on the show and talk about their endeavors. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm on Dynasty Nerds writing those two columns. I'm always on Twitter. Uh, it's getting into December, early January. I'll start doing all the draft stuff again, getting really into that. So I'm hoping to do 150 prospects this year. I did a hundred last year. So I'm hoping to do the top 150 this year. Um, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, just stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. Even though the season's ending, um, it's just getting started for myself. Absolutely, and again, of course, always check us out on the at Packet A Podcast on Twitter. Also, wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, we are there. So it is Packers, Bears, number 200 between these two longtime rivals, from Hallis to Lambeau to Lombardi to Holmgren to Nagy and Lafleur. It is the best rivalry in the NFL. So for that, enjoy the game, and of course, go back home.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.